Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, coach and life alchemist, Sharin Eskandani, and I have worked with thousands of people showing them how to create their dream lives while also living their dream lives. This podcast is where mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation meet. Together, we're going to release limiting beliefs, put your dreams into motion, all while prioritizing your ease, rest, and joy. Let's do this, love. Hi, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper into this week's episode and get my free weekly journal prompts, sign up for my email list and you'll be able to explore the topics we're talking about in this episode even further. You can do that in the show notes or by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in working with me, whether that's one-on-one in one of my group programs or one of my transformational courses, you can head to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com slash offerings to find out more. And of course, you can also head to the show notes and all of this information will be waiting for you there. All right, love, welcome to this week's episode. Last week, I announced that for the entire month of February, we're going to be looking at manifestation. So each episode is going to look at a different idea, concept, aspect of how to manifest. And since this episode is dropping the day before Valentine's Day, I thought I'd dedicate this episode to how I manifested love. Now, listen. Valentine's Day can be a really difficult and challenging time for many of us, if not all of us. So this really isn't just an episode on how to manifest love. You could replace the word love with anything you desire, anything you desire and find really difficult to create in your life. So this episode for you could be how I manifested money, how I manifested a new job, how I manifested a new home. I want to talk about how I manifested love because my journey to finding my now husband is how I really learned how to manifest. In this episode, I'm going to get really open with you. I'm going to share you the story of what I believed about love, what I had to learn about love, and then what I had to do to invite in love. And again, you replace that word love With whatever you are desiring. Perhaps that is love. Maybe it's money. Maybe it is a Birkin bag. Whatever you want, love. But I wanted to share this story because for me, it really outlines what we need to do in order to manifest the unimaginable, the most amazing, the most incredible, the things that go beyond what we think are possible for us. So here is my story of how I manifested my unimaginable, beyond my dreams, love. To get started, we have to begin with where it all began. Little, chubby, cute, endearing Sharin. 
I've shared this on the podcast before, but growing up, I was an anomaly. That's a very nice way of putting it. So my family immigrated to Canada when I was four years old, and I was a handful of kids of color in my community. I felt really out of place. Not only was I an immigrant, not only was I someone who didn't speak the language, but I was also this chubby, frizzy-haired, very cute, but also out of place. Of course, out of place in the context of where I grew up, girl. And I start here because we have to understand what we believe about ourselves when it comes to manifestation. And we don't have to know exactly where it comes from. I'm sharing you the origin story because I know. But if you're listening to this and unsure of where your beliefs come from, that's totally okay. But I wanted to start here because I know that for me, a lot of my beliefs around my worth and my value and how lovable I was started when I was really, really young. And of course, it starts not just outside the home, but inside the home. But I know that for me, those years really formed in my mind these beliefs around the fact that I had to work for my love, that I wasn't inherently lovable, and that also I wasn't someone who was desired or attractive. Now, this is something that obviously developed as I grew older. When I went to high school, I was obviously still this, you know, frizzy-haired, chubby, brown-skinned girl, an anomaly, of course. And really, I just threw myself into working really hard, but I wasn't a desired or desirable person, quote unquote. I was never asked out. I was never kissed. I wasn't considered hot or beautiful or pretty. I was just the really nice, funny, smart girl at school. And I didn't have my first kiss until I was 21. I went to college in the same town that I grew up. And again, this same thought of, I'm not desirable, I'm not pretty, no one's going to want to date me because I'm unlovable. And so all of these beliefs are being created by what I am experiencing in my own life. But then on top of that, right, we have whatever we're seeing outside of us, in our families, in our communities, in society at large. So this was the time of sex in the city. This was the time of women who were extremely tiny, which honestly has not really changed, right? But what I now see, what I when I look back is, wow, I totally understand why I thought I was unlovable. I also can kind of connect the dots around what my first beliefs and thoughts were around what a relationship is supposed to be like. So around me, in my family, in my community of friends, relationships were really hard. Communication wasn't great. I always saw people compromising, and those people were generally the woman in the relationship. You know, and then on TV, you would see things like, you know, Carrie and Mr. Big and the Gilmore Girls, and where it was always just so difficult. And things were hard. And it almost seemed like the woman had to go through all of these games to like meet their person and be with their person. So as I now think of this really formative time, I see how my beliefs were formed of what I experienced in my own life that making me feel like I was unlovable or unworthy unless I was working for things, of what I experienced 
outside of me that really formed what relationships were supposed to be like. These became my core beliefs. Of course, I didn't know it then, but these became my core beliefs about dating and love and relationships. So what we're working with right now as a recap is Sharin is unlovable. Sharin is undesirable. No one wants to be with Sharin. Also, if Sharin does get in a relationship, it's going to be really hard. You have to play a lot of games. It's really tricky. And then once you get in that relationship, you're going to have to compromise. It's still going to be difficult and hard. But hey, at least you're in a relationship. So again, I know we're talking about love. But as I'm sharing my story, I want you to also be reflecting on what your story may be. Whether you want to manifest money or a new home or a new career, what are some of the beliefs that you formed early on in your life? The beliefs that have now become that core foundation of what you think is possible for you. I can also look back on this time in my life and see how those core beliefs constantly were being fed into, meaning I was finding proof every day of how those beliefs were true. So this is a big part of manifestation. Whatever you believe is what you see. This is actually not just a part of manifestation, but it's also a part of mindset work. There is this thing called cognitive consonance, which is that what we believe, what we think to be true, we seek that out in the world, right? Because your mind doesn't want you to think that you're mad. So if you believe something, it's going to look for proof of that thing. And it will make meaning of things in a way so that you can find proof, right? So for instance, with the example of dating, if your belief is there are no good people out there, when you get ghosted, it doesn't become, oh, that person wasn't interested in me. Cool. It becomes, oh my gosh, of course they didn't text me back because there's no one good out there. I'm never going to find someone. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Okay. So we've all gone in these little spirals, but this really is your mind trying to create a sense of consonance in that what you think is what you see. And so in my life, I was having like years and years and years of proof of what I was seeing and what I was experiencing and what I was making meaning of backing up what I was believing about myself, about love, about relationships. And it doesn't just back it up. It reinforces what we believe. It makes it even stronger. So here is where the story shifts a little bit. I then moved to New York when I was around 22 to do my master's degree. So I moved from my town where, again, I was a handful of kids of color. Obviously, at this point, there were some more people of color in the city, but I was still kind of not the body type or the hair type or the personality type that was considered attractive where I grew up. I moved to New York and all of a sudden, y'all, I'm Jenny from the block. I don't know what's happening. Like, I have never had so much attention on me from men. I've never felt, quote unquote, desired before. And all of a sudden, here I am in the city where I am a definition of beauty. I'm a definition of desirability. I'm in a city where all of a sudden I look around me and I see all these different types 
of beauty, all these different types of people. And my beliefs didn't start to change or shift right away, but they started to kind of get questioned. And all of a sudden, I started getting asked out on dates. And you would think, oh my gosh, this is where the story changes. This is where she did it. She manifested love. But no, no, no. This is where you would be wrong. (laughs) Because I was going on these dates. I was starting out these relationships, still with the same old beliefs from before. So while the external circumstances had changed, my internal circumstances, my internal world was still the same. I still believed that I was really inherently unlovable, that I wasn't desirable, that I had to work for love, that relationships were supposed to be hard, that you had to play games. And so what do you think happened? I was operating from a place of unworthiness, of thinking I wasn't valuable. And so I would find myself in these really crappy relationships, relationships where I was doing all of the work. And again, that was another belief I had that I had to do all of the work. I had this belief that men could not really be in a relationship with a strong woman who knew what she wanted and who was really independent. And so I kind of made myself small and into a version of what I thought they wanted me to be or what I should be. So I technically was manifesting love. But I was also manifesting relationships and love that reflected what I believed, what I believed was possible for me. Of course, at the time, I didn't know anything about manifestation and and all of that stuff. Again, this is all in hindsight, but I see why those relationships were the way that they were. And while the external circumstances were changing, right, I was going on dates, I, you know, was getting a lot of male attention. It was a lot of the same. And it was a lot of the same that reinforced what I believed was true about me and what was possible. So I then got into kind of a long term relationship for about four years. And and it was a really good relationship. It was a healthy relationship. But it was one in which I wasn't really ever emotionally satisfied. And again, this was one of my core beliefs was that I needed too much love. It was a core belief that started out when I was really, really young as a child, growing up in a family where we had immigrated because of a war, and there was a lot of PTSD, there was a lot of trauma in our family, and I couldn't be given the love that I needed at that time. And so I created this belief that I needed too much love and that I should kind of be ashamed or should judge myself for needing that much love. And in this four-year relationship, I can look back now and see, wow, that's what was playing out. I stayed in this relationship for probably a year or two longer than I needed to because I thought that, you know, I, you're, you're in the wrong, Sharin, right? What you want is not feasible. What you want is not possible because you just want too much from your partner. And this is what a normal relationship and partnership is supposed to be like, where you constantly feel unfulfilled, where you constantly feel like you're compromising, where you constantly feel like you have to really quiet down, dull down parts of you that really are yearning for more. And I say this now, gosh, and that sounds like, that sounds so sad (laughs) as I think of it, but it's true. It's really true. 
he and I eventually broke up and it was actually a very healthy breakup. He's still in my life today. We're still friends. We check in on each other. But we really realized that he couldn't give me what I needed and that I didn't want to keep making him feel bad for what he couldn't give me. But I did leave that relationship thinking, wow, Sharin, you left this great guy, really good guy, because you want this, this thing that's just not real. And so after this relationship, I got into a series of not great relationships in and out of them. And then I met the one that we shall call the one who changed it all. And he did not change at all in a good way. Okay, folks, he did not. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So he and I met. And from our first date, I just knew something was a little off. But he was really sweet and funny, and he adored me. He adored me so much. He loved me so much. I mean, he thought I was the greatest thing in the world. And so all of a sudden, right, those beliefs of you need too much, you're not lovable, you're not desirable. I mean, he just kicked all of those beliefs to the curb. He thought I was amazing. And we had this really sweet relationship, but there were things that were off in the relationship. There were things that were red flags, and I'm I'm not going to fully share all of them here, but there was some envy, there was some jealousy, and there was some weird money stuff that would keep coming up. But, you know, he loved me so much. He adored me. And so I thought, you know what? Relationships, they're hard. No one's perfect. And this guy, he really loves you. He really thinks you're great. So don't mess this up. So about five months into our relationship, I go to visit him at his job. He worked at a bar, and I'd actually never been to that bar. I show up to the bar, and I ask for him. I say, hey, where's so-and-so? And the person working there looks at me and says, there's no so-and-so that works here. No one by that name has ever worked here. And all of a sudden, all of the red flags, all of those little things connected, and I realized that he had been lying to me from the very beginning about what he did and who he was. And when I confronted him, he finally told me the truth, and he was working a job that, let's say, to put mildly, was unsavory, an unsavory job. But he promised me that he would change, and I said I needed some time to think about it. And y'all, I went back to this person. I went back to this person because in my mind I thought, but he loves you so much. You're never going to find someone who cares for you and adores for you like he does. I also thought to myself, oh my gosh, you want to go back into the dating world? Ugh, it's terrible out there. I would rather be with this guy than single. And so I stayed with him for an extra month, another month, knowing that he had lied to me in such a serious way, lied to me about something really big the entire time. I stayed with him because of what I believed and what I believed was possible. And I believed that this was as good as I could have. And then about a month in to getting back together with him, I don't know what happened. I had an epiphany and I was like, Sharin, no, 
if this is what you are saying is good or good enough, no. This is not the life that you want. This is not the relationship that you want. In that moment, I saw all of those beliefs for what they were and what they were creating in my life, what they were manifesting in my life. I believed that this was what I deserved. I believed that this was the future that I wanted for myself. I believed that this is what I should have in my life. No. No, all of a sudden, like, my being was like, no. And I broke it off with him. To me, that month, that month that I stayed with him after knowing that he lied to me was the most pivotal moment of my life. Because the five months before where he was lying to me, listen, people are great liars. You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I never judged myself for that. But that month where I decided to stay with him, because he loved me so much, because he adored me, because I didn't think I could do better, because I thought that this is what love was supposed to be like, that month for me was a wake-up call. I didn't judge myself for that month, but I really reflected on that month because that month showed me the person that I was, the person that I was showing up as in my life, and I decided, okay, things need to change. Things really need to change. Because what you are believing about yourself and your life is not okay. This is not the life that we want. And by divine intervention, I'm telling y'all, I was listening to a podcast and a coach was a guest on this podcast. And she was a relationship coach. And everything she said resonated deeply with me. I mean, everything like from, oh, you think, that you don't deserve incredible love, that you're too much, that you're not worthy, that you're not valuable, everything. And I decided, you know what? I don't know what this coaching thing is, but this person, I want to work with them. And so even though at the time I had no idea what coaching was, I mean, I did, but this was like 2013, 10 years ago, like when, I don't know, coaching was really becoming popular and a buzzword and it still had a stigma to it, which honestly, it still kind of does. But I was like, I'm going to take the sleep. I'm going to call this woman, have a consultation call with her and see what happens. And I had the call and I was like, I'm in. I have no idea what I'm signing up for, but I know something needs to change. And she positioned herself as a relationship coach. And I thought that, okay, I'm going to do this coaching with her. She's going to teach me how to create a cool Tinder profile. She's going to teach me how to talk to people and go on dates. No, 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 y'all. She was a manifestation coach. She was teaching us how to manifest. And I did not know that at the time. So for a year with this coach and a cohort of 10 women from different backgrounds, different ages, we learned how to manifest. And where did we start? We started with our inner child. We started with those core beliefs. We started with all of those thoughts and ideas we were holding onto when it came to ourselves and relationships and men. Y'all, I wasn't ready for it. I was like, excuse me, you want me to talk to whom? My inner what? You want me to spend time with her? You want me to excuse what? Huh? And I tell you, the work that I did in that year-long program 
looking inward, shifted everything. Because that is what manifestation is. It's this process of healing. I always say that manifestation is a sign of healing. And of course, no one has ever fully healed, but we end up manifesting incredible things when we really start to look inward and heal and tend to those parts of us that are wounded. So I started to really work on the parts of me that thought I was unlovable, the parts of me that thought I wasn't worthy, the parts of me that thought I was too much or I needed too much. I want to share with you some of my favorite insights and ahas and exercises from my time with this coach. And I'm not naming this coach not to be shady, but because looking back, I don't think all the things she did were fully ethical or okay. And so that's why I'm not sharing their name, but I'm glad for what I learned from them. But there was some harm caused in that space. So that's why I'm not saying their name. But I do want to share with you some of the things that were incredibly helpful for me. So one of the very first things we did was she made us do a visualization, a visualization of us with our dream partner. So for you, if you're not manifesting love, this can be your dream career, your dream home, whatever that may be. And in this visualization, she told us to not visualize the person, right? The actual thing we're manifesting because She would say, and I think it's true, is that sometimes we get this idea of what we think we're supposed to be with, what we should be with, and we can get really caught up on that thing. And so she said to us, do not visualize the person, but instead in this visualization, really get into how it feels like to be with your future partner. So what does it feel like to be in their presence, to be next to them? What does it feel like to perhaps hold hands with them? And in the visualization, you know, you're doing something that is really meaningful to you both. So for me, it was us on a beach vacation and we had surfboards in the corner and there was really delicious food there. There were books. We were relaxing, right? So this visualization to me was that this person that I was manifesting is really adventurous, but also really grounded and calm. I know for some of the people in the group, Their visualizations were about family events, that they had gone to a holiday event with this person, which the meaning behind that is that whoever they're manifesting is someone who has family values, who they can really create a community with and connection with. This was one of the greatest exercises I think we did in the program because it really allowed me to understand what it felt like to be with this person. The safeness, the groundedness, the calm, the peace, the sense of love, things I'd really never felt before in a relationship. And we had to do this visualization once a day for 30 days, at least a month. So every morning I would wake up before I opened my eyes. I would just for, you know, 10 seconds, not even that long, just be in that space of feeling what it was like to be with my partner. Another great exercise that she gave us, which I've shared on the podcast before, it's my favorite, was one in which we're trying to shift our cognitive consonants. So one of the beliefs that pretty much all of us in our cohort had was that men can't be trusted, men aren't good, 
there aren't loving relationships out there, right? A lot of a lot of beliefs around relationships and men. And so our coach wanted us to kind of shift our beliefs. And she did that by asking us to shift our focus. So for a month, we were supposed to look for 10 examples of loving relationships, of loving men, of kind men, of trustworthy men, of good men in and around our lives. So I remember at the beginning, this was like a where's Waldo, right? Like I was like, there is no one. There is nothing. I cannot see a thing. And I would be looking around me trying to find these acts of kindness and love and trust. And then slowly it started to shift and change. I started to see things more and more. I'd I'd see someone helping someone up the stairs or helping them with their groceries. I'd see someone tenderly embrace their partner. I'll never forget one time I was on the train and there was this guy next to me who just looked so gruff and rough. And I looked over and in his text, he was sending it obviously to his partner. And his partner in the name box it said La Reina with a little crown. And he was writing the most flowery message to her, like literally with flower emojis. And I was like, oh, that is just the sweetest thing. I started to see these 10 examples everywhere, all the time. I I did this practice actually longer than a month because I loved it so much. And by doing this, I was really able to shift my beliefs. I was able to kind of use what I was focusing on externally to shift what I wanted to believe internally. Another great piece of advice that I got within this group that I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast was that, you know, one day I was talking to the coach and I was just so upset. I had kind of gone on a couple dates with this guy that seemed really, really promising and it fell through and I was really bummed and I was just like really kind of really sad about things and I was really kind of frustrated by the timeline and how long it was taking. I'm like, listen, I've been in this program for seven months now. Where the heck is this guy? I thought I'm manifesting. And I'll never forget, she said to me, Sharin, you know, some people are really happy going to the food court and having lunch every day. And and that makes them really happy. And we're not judging them because, you know, the food court has Panda Express and we love Panda Express. But we're not those people. We're not those people who want to go to the food court every day and just have Panda Express. We're the people who want to go to France and who want to go to fancy restaurants and who want to have incredible experiences. And a life like that takes time and intention and patience because we are not food court girls, are we? I don't know why, but. This food court story really kind of became my lighthouse. (laughs) You know, one of the things with manifestation that frustrates us and, and that we'll talk about this month is the timeline of like, why the heck is this thing not here yet? And I think this story really helped me because it reminded me that what I am trying to create is above and beyond. It's beyond what I've seen, beyond what I've imagined, beyond what I see people in my life have. And not that there is anything wrong with that, but it's just not what I want. I don't want to go to the food court every day. I want to go to France. I want to go to Morocco. I want to go to the newest, trendiest restaurant in town. 
That is the life that I am trying to create. So after a year, the coaching program was done. It was 2014. And I wish I could tell you I met my husband right then and there. I didn't. I met him in 2017. But y'all, those three years between me finishing the program and me meeting my husband were incredible. The one thing that is not talked about enough when it comes to manifestation is that when we are really in that mindset of manifestation, we truly believe that what we desire is going to happen. And so that mindset creates so much ease and joy in the process of manifesting. In those three years, I literally dated, I think, most of New York and Brooklyn. Okay. I had so much fun. I was going on dates with really interesting guys. They were really smart and funny. And I could see, especially looking back now, that it's like incrementally they were getting me closer and closer to my partner. It was almost like, you know, this guy was like 85% there. And then the next one was 87. And then the one after that was like 87.5. Each person that I dated was really getting me closer and closer to my husband. Again, did not fully realize that at the time, but in hindsight, I now see it. And when you're in the mindset of manifestation, when things don't work out, you really understand that if not this, then better. That the universe has cleared the way because this person was not for me and something better or something more aligned is on its way to me. So this mindset, y'all, really is so helpful because our journey towards our manifestations is oftentimes a long one or a challenging one or one with lots of ups and downs. And if we can return to that mindset of, even though this is challenging or difficult, I know my manifestation is coming to me. And the mindset of, if not this, then better. This mindset is so incredibly helpful. So what is kind of kooky about how I met my husband is that I actually saw his picture in 2013, around the time when I started to coach with my coach. So my husband works now at a gym that I used to go to in 2013. And when I joined that gym, I, of course, became Facebook friends with everyone at the gym, all of the trainers, because that's what you did. And my husband, Raj, was friends with all of the trainers there. And I remember friending one of the trainers and Raj's picture popped up on my feed because he was friends with that guy. And I was like, this is a hottie. What a hottie. And I went on a Facebook spiral. You know, when you go on their Facebook page, you're looking at all of their photos. And I realized that at the time they were living in Boston. And I was going to send him a message. I was, you know, a little sassy, little sassy lady. And I was going to send him a message and just say, hey, like, I think you're cute. If you ever come to New York, you should hit me up. And just as I was about to, I swear to God, this is how it happened. Just as I was about to send that message, I heard this voice inside me that said, don't do that. You will date this man. Don't do that now. You will date this man in the future. And I was like, okay, okay. And I then forgot about Raj. I forgot about him on Facebook. I forgot got about that message. And I went and did the coaching program. I went and dated all those people for three years. And then in 2017, 
Raj's picture pops up on my Instagram. And I look at it and I was like, oh, that guy. And I look at the picture and it's at the gym. And the caption reads that he is their newest trainer. And all of a sudden it all came back to me. Oh my gosh. Remember that voice said, you're going to date this guy. I don't know what this is or what it could be, but you got to get on this. So I messaged someone that I knew at the gym and I was like, who is this guy? Is he single? Is he sweet? Give me all the details. And they were like, yes, he is the sweetest. He is single. Do you want me to give him your phone number? And I was like, absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. So Raj and I start texting and we go on our first date. And again, I wish I could tell you, I instantly knew then that he was the one. No. Y'all, this man showed up in jorts, jean shorts, a tank top, and a baseball cap with a unicorn on it. Okay, that's the mascot of the gym. So let's just say he did not put a lot of effort into uh, dressing for this date. And of course, I was used to being in New York where, you know, guys would at least put some effort into a date. And I was like, what is this? But he was a hottie. He was a hottie McHotterson. And I was like, okay, let's just see what happens. And so we went on our date and it was very sweet and he was a very kind, very thoughtful guy. And I was, you know, like I was very interested, but unsure. We went on a couple more dates and then I was going on a month and a half long trip to Europe. And as I was on this trip, I'll never forget, Raj would check in with me and he checked in with me a couple weeks into my trip and he said, I remember that you said you're coming back on this date. Could I take you on a date two days after? And I want to surprise you. And this was just so sweet and thoughtful. Again, him checking in, him remembering things like that. Again, the bar is so low for men. I mean, so low. But, you know, Raj was really exceeding that bar. And we got back and this was our fourth date, October 1st. I'll never forget it. And I met up with him. And Raj took me to all of these spots that I had told him on our first three dates that I liked or loved in the city. And it was the most thoughtful thing ever. It showed me he was listening to me, that he cared. And it was in the middle of our date. And I was like, holy crap, I've, I've been here before. What's, what, what? I've been here before. And I realized, oh my gosh, that visualization that I had done years ago, the way I felt next to my partner safe and grounded and peaceful and calm and loved. I felt that with Raj. And I knew that it was him. I I knew I manifested that person. And Raj and I's love story is a really beautiful one. It's a personal one. I don't want to say everything about it. But I will say that Raj loves me wholly. I have never felt like I am too much. In fact, he magnifies all the beautiful parts of me and allows them to exist. He makes me feel like I can do whatever I desire and he will always be there for me. Our relationship is not difficult. It is not hard. I never feel like I have to make myself small or compromise who I am. It is nothing of what I believed a relationship was supposed to be like when I was younger. It is above and beyond. I love our love so much, and I truly do not think that I could have ever imagined something this incredible when I was younger, and honestly, I couldn't have imagined it even a few years ago. 
And that is what manifestation is. Sorry, I'm getting all verklempt over here. Ah, But that is what manifestation is. It is something that goes beyond what you imagine, beyond what you think is possible. And so I share our story as what I'm hoping is a beacon of hope. Manifesting our love and this relationship, our relationship, it took time, it took healing, it took so much intention and patience and kindness. And I'm so grateful for it all. I wouldn't change a thing, honestly, I wouldn't, if it always meant that I would end up with Raj. So, my love, I leave you here with our story, our story that's still evolving and still changing and shifting and hoping that it finds you wherever you're at in your story and it offers you some guidance or help or support or inspiration, whatever that is for you. Love, I know you can manifest that thing. I know you can because I manifested a whole damn man, okay? A human being in New York City nonetheless, okay? (laughs) If I can do it, you can. Truly, you can. I believe in you, and I know that the universe believes in you as well. Before we close the podcast, I announced this last week, but for the month of February, just for the podcast community, I'm discounting my course, Everyday Magic, by 50% with the code 50OFF. So you can go to the show notes or wholehearted-coaching.com slash everyday slash magic to find that. Um, Everyday Magic is a really great intro or kind of intermediate course into manifestation. It's honestly, it's great for anyone. If you resonate with what I talk about when it comes to manifestation, you will love Everyday Magic. So for the month of February, just for the podcast, you can save 50%. So as we finish the podcast, I want you to think of one thing that's resonating with you from what was said, what you heard, an aha or an insight you had. And we're going to take a deep breath in, holding it at the top, thinking of that one thing, and now breathing out. Until next week, love, I'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser or Podcast Addict. Until next week, love.